We're podcasting. I think we're podcast. Now this is podcasting. (laughs) Now that's what I call podcasting. You know, the thing I love best about that joke is that you've made it at the start of every single one of our getting increasingly close to 100 episodes. Yes. (laughs) Oh shit, are we recording? Oh shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that's what I call Um, podcasting. Yes. Professional uh, podcast is called, well, there's your problem. It's a podcast with slides about engineering disasters. I did that in the wrong order. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm the person who's talking right now, Justin Rosniak. Um, Okay, go. <laughs> uh, my pronouns are she and her. I'm the person who's talking now. My name is Alice Caldwell Kelly. Jesus fucking Christ! We're gonna start with safety third and do the news at the end. No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Liam Anderson, he have got fucked. <laughs> we have a guest. I guess. We have a guest. Hello, uh, my name is Gareth uh, Dennis. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. We got we got Gareth back on to talk about railroads. We're we're gonna talk about. We're gonna okay. So so imagine you want to go from one place to another place, right? Well, I can't I imagine that. that. No. I never want to do that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> terrible. Um, now, the uh, the easiest way to do that is in a straight line, right? Or yes. the most direct yes. way. So with a car. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boo. Incorrect. False. So oh. today we're going to learn about a a a a, a man who attempted to build a railroad in a straight line. Mohammed bin Salman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mohammed bin Salman, and this is Jackass. My, my, my pronouns are he and him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's how they are. Um, they're, they, they're opening up Saudi Arabia. They're making everyone do pronoun checks. Yeah. Uh, and if you, <laughs> you, and, you don't want to do a pronoun check, you should see what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, <laughs> They'll give there you lashes go. if you don't pro- do the pronoun <laughs> check. <laughs> uh, no, today we're going to talk about the Chicago to New York Electric Airline Railroad. That's a succession of very uh, cool words. Yeah, yes. sounds nice as hell. I thought an airline was in the air. Oh, oh it's an it, electric airline. It's an electric airline. Shut up. The, the air here references the directness of the line, right? That doesn't um, really make sense. Okay, whatever, fine. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, we have to do the goddamn news. Man, our, our peppy, upbeat news theme really does not go with launching immediately into human tragedy. I was no. about to say this was uh, this is a pretty bad one. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazon kept their uh, workers in the uh, in the warehouse that got wiped out by the uh, tornado outbreak in, uh, in, in, in multiple states. Kentucky I think this was, I think, I think this was in Illinois. This was, was in Illinois. Illinois. My fault. My fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and they killed at, at least six people, but they won't know like an actual number until they've been through all of the wreckage of the fucking, oh, that's fucking fulfillment gruesome. center with all of your like packages of sex dildos and whatever. And the reason yeah. why is, as you see, the last text of one of the guys who died, Amazon did not let them leave. Uh, it also, like, they didn't know that there was even a storm warning because Amazon keeps their phones and lockers outside. Uh, they didn't have any kind of evacuation plan. And uh, incidentally, Jeff Bezos has not said word one about this. Nope. It's, no. He's going to space. Yeah. 
Uh, lucky him. Hopefully, uh, he you get out of this out. Hopefully, he's, a fucking a meteor crashes into him and kills him. Yeah, I mean, he's, I guess he's he's like out of Amazon now, so he considers it not to be his problem. Uh, but... He's just washed his hands, which is that must yeah. be nice. Yeah, I always think I've heard the worst Amazon thing ever, which is like, oh, he said thanks to all the workers he has in cages for allowing him to go up to space. And I think, oh, there's there's not a worse thing that Amazon can do. You know, with all the ambulances that get phoned to like Amazon warehouses in the UK. But this is this is the, they, they did it. They did it, folks. This is absolutely horrific. It's a perfect like encapsulation of the U.S. labor market because there were two big uh, like mass casualty events. Both uh, both factory collapses, or in this case, a warehouse collapse. Yes. Uh, one with Amazon and one with a candle factory in, I believe, Kentucky that was using prison labor. Uh, Jesus fuck yeah! And it's interesting because um, you know the, 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 these areas are known for you know really really bad weather. Um, the, this area that's sort of south and east of tornado alley is actually where all the really bad stuff happens um you know mm. the tornado alley tornadoes just look very aesthetic but they're not very powerful um this is where Tumblr the really bad once weather. again <laughs> yeah uh, ruining <laughs> it for everyone but they kind the, of um, like look sorry go on Justin. ordinarily with uh these these types of buildings this is a tilt-up uh warehouse right so you know you cast these big concrete planks on the ground those are the walls and they use an excavator to tilt them up so they're vertical, right? Um, now, as a result, they are actually very prone to falling over in a windstorm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Which is why these buildings are supposed to have internal storm shelters, which are like hardened bunkers, right? Where, hmm. where the workers can go if there's like a tornado and like the vast majority of the building is not expected to survive. You have an interior storm shelter. And this building does not seem to have that because there was another shot that came out of this tornado of a another factory was some kind of industrial products factory it did have those storm shelters everyone yeah. stayed you know in the warehouse but they got into the storm shelters the warehouse collapsed all around them but the people were fine um the, the shelter zone was on the north side of the building and the southern end is only got torn up um, oh that'll do it I, I do want to i read an article about this and i brought it up just because uh i want to say a couple things where like um, a couple of actionable threats. Actually, yeah. I have. They, I hope they have a nice time. Uh, <laughs> a driver who was coming back to the warehouse uh, read the alert aloud for for a tornado alert in Spanish. Uh, he, the the name driver Alonzo Harris. Uh, uh, his manager, who he doesn't know the name of, he only knows her first name, Julie. Apparently, basically. Uh, physically grabbed him and basically was like you have to fucking get to shelter now and i i did want to take a second i'm not obviously relieving amazon of any guilt everyone uh from the c-suite on down uh mm -hmm. should have a nice time yeah but uh, what's cool I do, for manslaughter i do yeah i do want to to say like i try not to, I, I try to remember especially like when we talked about paul like that people are still willing to like risk their lives just to like grab people out of their vans and get to the shelter zone. Mm. Uh, that's very noble. And I just want to talk about that because everything else in this story is inexcusably bleak and horrible. I've had diarrhea for the past 18 hours. I'm not in a good <laughs> mood and stop buying shit from Amazon. Yeah, please. Yeah. You get, you, it doesn't you, even, it doesn't even shipping is killing us all. It doesn't even matter if you do, man. It makes no difference. It's too big to be, be I, killed I know, by you. I'll, I'll feel better. Yeah. That's true. 
I, I did buy the research material for this episode uh, from Amazon. Full I'm disclosure. Gonna, I am going to get myself up, an up dose of my antidepressant. <laughs> let me just uh, let me just log on to onto Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, or any of the websites that I use every day, which all run on Amazon Web Services. Yeah, so. I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get a Nerf gun, and the Nerf bullets are going to be filled with Effexor, and I'm just going to shoot it into my own mouth for the lols. <laughs> <laughs> You need to atomize this company, man. Yeah. Yes. Nationalize yeah. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bezos of the whatever. Have a nice they need time to, they in they need the to streets. Get that guy, they need to get that guy who ran Sears into the ground in charge of Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. It's like Alien versus Predator. The only thing that can destroy Amazon now is the same corporate ethics that like birthed it. Yes. Can we not get can we not get Trump to take charge of Amazon? Oh, st- step away from the lathe. Yeah, yes. step away yeah. from the lathe. <laughs> oh man, it's so yeah. fucking grim. In other news... Oh, there were more storms. <laughs> we got uh, Storm Arwen, because uh, in Britain we, we've now, instead of like doing uh, alphabetical names or whatever, we're just going from like lesser-known Lord of the Rings characters. And you can, you can now get killed in like Storm Galadriel or whatever. Hmm. Um, Gonna get you. That's right. Star, Storm Pippin. I hate to get killed in Storm Tom Bombadil, and as I die, people are arguing on the internet about whether or not he's based. Anyway, um, this this only this only killed three people outright uh, in the form of like shit falling on cars. But uh, what it did do was knock out a shitload of utilities. To pretty much the whole of like the rural northeast of both England and Scotland, yeah, for like two weeks. I've there's still the electricity is still not properly back in a few places. I've got friends Fuck's in a little sake. in a little like town called Kemney uh, near where I used to live, and um, yeah, they're like all their garden got smashed up and everything was wrecked. But also they had no power for I think it was eleven days. Oh um, wow! And like that, the, the northeast of Scotland is a pretty hardy part of the country. We're used to sort of pretty. Shocking weather, but this was crazy. This this was, yeah, um, yeah, quite something. Yeah, I mean, my friend, uh, friend of the show, Abigail Thorne of Philosophy Ooh. Tube. Her parents um, live out in the country in the northeast. Uh, had no power, no water, no heat for a week, and then the army showed up. Uh, at which you would expect to be like, oh, it's like you know, civil aid, right? And what happened was a, a, a troop stuck his head around the door and was like, "Are you all right?" And they were like, "Well, no." And they couldn't really do anything. <laughs> so Britain, Britain, the thing about Britain well, is that it's, it's a fail, it's a failed state. And unlike Amazon, which will just kill you directly, Britain will sort of kill you by negligence. And uh, that's largely because we've sort of uh, committed ourselves to at least a quarter to a half century of governance by people who are ideologically rigidly opposed to the state ever doing anything more than poking its head around the door and going, "You're right." <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I, I have a personal grudge against Storm Arwen, which is that um, it smashed up a lot of trains. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the, really, the, this storm threw a lot of trees at a lot of trains and smashed them up. So uh, it's a personal grudge match between this storm and me. Weirdly, there was a, <laughs> there was a storm like a few years ago that was called Storm Dennis that also smashed mm-hmm. up a bunch of train lines. So uh, just yeah. like a storm Gareth, and it's coming. 
It's uh, in fact, there was one. Yeah. I'm sure there was one, wasn't there? And it also smashed up a load of stuff. I could only the, the good news is, the good news is that these are going to get worse every year. And although it seems oh, yeah. like, because Britain is in, in in some respects a sort of a low stakes country compared to the United States, uh, so it it's like a small version of like say the Texas winter where nobody had power and a bunch of people froze to death. Um, but it's you know just sort of this general pattern where everything is getting worse forever and in sort of like stochastic, uncontrollable ways, uh, as exemplified in you know just storms that just fuck up your shit. It's a it's a cold little rock out in the Atlantic Ocean, and so we're gonna get. I think I think there are a lot of like resmog sort of haunted pencil types who think <laughs> that um, who think that Britain's gonna somehow not be impacted by climate change, and yet like. If you go and I don't know, go to the like the North Yorkshire coast and it's falling into the sea by like several meters a year, and then oh, you know, yeah. the, everything's being smashed up. The coast is being battered down in the southwest. It's like no, no, Britain's getting fucked over by climate change like right now. No, My by job, twenty by twenty fifty, yeah. we're we're gonna look like fucking Rockall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just be like one guy. There'll be like competitions of like French people who will like compete <laughs> yeah. to be the first to go and stand on what is this small cluster of rocks that is the remains of Turf Island. Well, we can't say we didn't deserve it. <laughs> All right, that was the goddamn news. All right, train zone. Justin has seized back control of this podcast because it's been too long since we talked about trains. Having seized back control, mm-hmm. I'm yielding the floor to Garrett, who did this <laughs> section. <laughs> I'm wrestling it straight back sorry. out of your hands. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's your, Justin, this is your fault for, for hinting in the, in the early form of the notes. You were like, uh, maybe talk about uh, permanent way design or like right of way design, which immediately, it's like a red flag to a bull. I was like, oh shit, I can do that. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I, I can only apologize. It's all right. There aren't so many slides. I think there are only about 50 to 60 slides now um, where I explain <laughs> permanent way design to everyone. No, um, so uh, right of way design or, or, or permanent way engineering is, is what I do. It's my day job. And uh, basically the way I explain it to people, because basically no one really outside of uh, us lot know what it is, because it's not a thing you can go and study, really. But it's 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 essentially taking civil engineering materials and um, turning them into a mechanical engineering system with mechanical engineering tolerances. Um, here is uh, so so here we are. Here are some nice sketches I've drawn of hmm. stuff like steel and concrete and aggregate, and then you use that to create a system that has like machined tolerances of like millimeters. And there is a five pence piece, uh, which is basically the same size as a five cent piece, which is the size of the contact patch. Um, between the wheel and the rail. So it's like really, so you're taking these big chunky materials and you're turning them into a very kind of, uh, kind of uh, system that has to be very uh, kind of carefully tuned so you don't, well, if we go to the next slide, you'll see what happens if you screw it up. Sort of, sort of playing piano concertos, but all you can use is a sledgehammer. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And if you, hit the, if you hit the thing wrong and balls it up, then this happens, which is obviously bad. The bad things <laughs> happen. Um, and uh, this is Hatfield. Uh, which um, maybe you know for episode two hundred and fifteen of Well Edge Problem Podcast we'll get there. But uh, Hatfield was like the worst thing <laughs> yeah. that permanent way engineers did in the UK in recent history. Which was, uh, to be fair, it was because of uh, privatization and rail track and stuff. In fact, in the middle picture there um, is the old, is the new rail that was supposed to replace the old one that's just sat there looking happily, uh, just just sat there fine. Anyway, what happened here was because the, the, the permanent way engineers and also management got things wrong. And it resulted in um, in a train being derailed here. And if you flick to the next slide, 
uh, the reason this train derailed, because we're not actually talking about this disaster, uh, is this is a this is a length of thirty five meters of rail that shattered like glass into two hundred <sighs> plus pieces. Oh um, fuck! Steel rails are they are not flimsy bits of um, metal. So if you can imagine that shattering, uh, that's what happens if you screw up permanent way uh, design. Anyway, um, mm. that's the fun bit. Next. Oh, I just lost the opportunity to say next slide, please. Yeah. <laughs> the work required to reconstruct that rail. I know, right? It's the, like the, the boffiny people. Like, well, we, we don't get to do crash reconstructions of 747s, but by, damn, by George, <laughs> we will reassemble this one rail, and we'll do a good job of it. Um, yeah. So... Uh, the simplest form of, of permanent way uh, engineering is, is the alignment, right? There's more to it than that, but um, the alignment's a good place to start. And we generally split our designs into three components. So uh, this will become relevant for reasons. Um, the, the horizontal, which consists of um, uh, straights, which are good. If you could make everything straight, this would be good, but it's not possible because of reasons. And then oh, so that, just that's arrange all of the towns in a straight line. Yeah, like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Um, uh, if next, next, if you go to the next one, um, you also have these things, these weird things that are called curves. Whoa. Uh, they can, Whoa. yeah, boo, these are bad. <laughs> um, they, they can be small, they can be large, they can be flat, they can be tight. Uh, no matter how you describe them, they are curvy, and we use these to connect up our straights. But actually, we we also have another thing. Which, if you go to the next slide, please. Um, we also have these things called transitions, which connect curves no, and straights. We don't need to talk about much more of those. Um, uh, Alice, I think you know uh, more about these than I do, actually. Um, yeah, the, the thing that my transitions and your transitions have in common is that they both have to wait to be approved by the government, and it takes for fucking ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so that's the horizontal alignment. Uh, the next component is, uh, is, is what we call the cant alignment. Um, this is where we kind of tilt tracks over to counteract some of those curving forces, uh, or we can decide not to do that, or we can be really wacky and and, and invent tilting trains, which is really weird. Um, yeah, just for fun, just to give me motion sickness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's that, that's that's a fun, that's the second thing, and then the third thing is probably the easiest part of of the alignment, which is um, next slide, please, which is the vertical uh, design. So uh, the vertical alignment, which consists of just grades, it's really simple, just up th things that go up, things that go down. And then we connect them up with vertical curves, which uh, I show in the next slide with with by by, by magic of of uh, next slide. So, so you can't, and you, can't uh, you can't just get the train to get sweet air. Well, <laughs> we, we we sometimes on purpose now. <laughs> we some, so so two so uh, firstly, yes, we do quite often have grade to grades, uh, and secondly, I, I once was looking down a um, uh, a theodolite, uh, kind of doing some surveying, and uh, saw HST get air. Over uh, over a particularly steep uh, grade change, so um, oh, you can get air <laughs> in trains. Yes, um, uh, which is good. So you combine all these sort of different elements: the horizontal, the cant, and the vertical, and that gives you your three D alignment, which can end up looking a bit a bit like this thing, which is about to appear on 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 your sort two of, screens. Uh, sort of shoogly. Yeah, this is yeah. very shoogly. This is like this is a high speed rail alignment that the Germans never did again because they realized this was completely bonkers and it made everyone <laughs> throw up. Um, it is quite fun to look at, though, so hence why we have a picture of it. But you can see mm. this vertical stuff, there's horizontal stuff. It's all happening. This is um, this is the fastest anybody has ever gotten through a half dozen, well, a full dozen slides <laughs> on this podcast. Like I should, I feel like I should be yeah. timing you. Yeah, we should give you some sort of medal. Yeah. Hey, as I, I promised I would keep this bit simple because if I don't, there's a risk that it would just descend into me talking about 
Um, next slide, please. Have you have you heard <laughs> about this podcast before? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I fear that I might go off on one later on. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so we'll. I, I'm saving myself. So the the way we know how to make or how not to make um, railways curvy or not curvy is by standards. So by long established series of of, of like design parameters that we know. Um, a train will be comfortable to ride, and and it should. It's worth pointing out that we. Um, this is kind of not particularly relevant to this one for reasons that will become obvious when Justin puts the map up. But um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, curves. The limiting factors for curve. If anyone, if any people ever wonder what the risk of of derailing going too fast around a curve is, you have to go really fast around a curve to derail a train, like a lot faster than design speed, because we design to comfort limits. We don't design to like safety limits of derailment. We design to like comfort limits. It's not like. Uh, oh, railroads can, I, can I ride the extreme railroad where you decide <laughs> to like spec? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can. If you, um, uh, my recommendation is to go anywhere where there's a transition between signaling systems, like uh, in Spain uh, or in. Like, <laughs> if you remember that, that didn't go so well, uh, and that is what a train derailing too fast around a curve looks like. Um, anyway, so there's some uh, standards that, that's what define um, how I do my design. A lot of a lot of these standards, right? Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they worked out, but like, on the basis of like a couple of studies in like 1849, and it's only in the <laughs> 70s and later that people went, wait a second, all of this data is from like top hat times. Uh, th- yes, actually, quite a lot of it is quite old. And quite a few of the rules of thumb that we've used for design uh, have been shown to be utter bollocks. Um, so, so <laughs> yes, uh, feel safe, everyone. Feel safe. Um, yeah, no, no, for sure. There's, there's, there's lots of old archaic stuff in there. Um, I mean, the laws of physics don't change a huge amount, but um, uh, like our understanding of the way that vehicles behave has has come along uh, quite a lot. So that has kind of uh, gone back and altered design, kind of the way that we design. Um, anyway, I've gone off on one. I, I, I knew it happened. <laughs> Quick, next slide, quick, quick. Uh, yes, so the, the, all of that stuff uh, results in us having a, a railway that looks like these things. Th- these are, um, actually, this is uh, what's left of HS2. This is the 2018 version of no, HS2. They've no, already chopped bits not. of it. No, it's not. This is a Windows 98 screensaver. Yeah, I know, right, yeah. <laughs> it's a Winamp visualizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really it's just the pipes, it's the pipes screensaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've already chopped. So, so Justin, if you go to the bottom uh, right-hand corner, you can see there's like a single track uh, in that station, ter- that terminal station. Yeah. Uh, that that's the that platform's gone. That's the eleventh. Oh. That's the eleventh platform at Euston that the government has chopped. Uh, so that's gone. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And yeah, so they're continuing to chop at it, but that's another story. But anyway, yeah, it looks quite pretty. And, and it's the, the fun stuff about my job is when it gets fiddly because the straight lines are kind of boring. It's the fiddly, faffy stuff is where it's kind of fun. Uh, and in places like the UK, where there's this thing called topography, uh, you, you have to do quite a lot of those. Yeah, the UK, which is a fiddly, faffy country in general. It, absolutely. Fiddly, faffy, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, a, a real uh, time waster. Awkward, yeah. yeah. Awkward is right. It is an awkward place, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, that's me done. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. That's your P-Way lecture. You're all now certified permanent way engineers. Congratulations. So we have, you, you have like a hundred college credits from this now. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was about to say, this is a certified continuing a education course. Oh yeah, listen, if, if Donald Trump can start a university, I don't see why we can't. Like, For sure. We started, we started our own secret service. I'm pretty certain we could do a, a WTYPU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this uh, on screen right now is... Um, is uh, me opening up? Do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's me opening up the 3D line strings for a 2018 version of HS2. And as you can see, it's not very straight. 
Um, the Green Party, uh, you're speaking bollocks. It's not a straight line. It goes around curves. The whole thing is on curves. <laughs> There's basically no straights on this thing. The whole thing is just curves. So you can see I'm like zooming in and showing you the verticals a bit weird, and it's all very squiggly. So I'm just making the point. This is a 225-mile-an-hour railway, and it is not a straight line. Um, uh, co- put that down in your copybook, folks. This will be relevant as we proceed. <laughs> mm. uh, also, I'm showing you this sexy thing. This is Delta Junction. My God, look at that. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I'm pointing. <laughs> <laughs> Funny because yeah, Delta um, Junction is also a place in Alaska. Yeah, Delta Venus Junction. Yes. Do they have? Uh, do they mm-hmm. have like uh, great separated junctions? No. No. no they, they have they, snowmobiles. They, yeah. I mean, Alaska, Alaska railroads own, or rather, I should say, the oh, Alaska yeah. railroads. But uh, yeah, last train in America, you can still get by flagging it down. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. There's a couple of flag stops on um, uh, some of the Canadian lines. Also, part I of said SEPTA. in America. Yeah, <laughs> some, of SEPTA, some of the SEPTA stops are flag stops too. That's but light are, rail. That, that doesn't yeah. count either. <laughs> no, no, this is no, this is on the regional rail. Oh well, yeah. still though. Um, I last like place that in America, you can good. flag down an SD40. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the um um. Now, in contrast to what Gareth was saying, in the United States, there are big parts of the country which are very flat, and you can go straight for a long time, right? So this is like the New York Central Main Line here from Toledo to Butler, Indiana, right? You had the mm. advantage of being able to build the, tr- the towns on the line. This is true, yes. There wasn't yeah, much there point. before they built this, but this is a good, um, this is a good 68 miles with no curves. Uh, just can, dead straight. Liam, I can join you in Horn Club. This is this is nice. I would yeah, like to have yeah. be able to have a railway like this. <laughs> we can all be pointy together, Gareth. Yes. <laughs> um, there's a lot of there's a lot of lines like this in Ohio and Indiana and Illinois. You know, long straightaways through a Say lot of Illinois. Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Chicago. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois. Come on, make some Illinois. That's yeah. right. Wait, how do Alice, you need to have a drop lined up for this. Are there any in the US that have a thumbprint, uh, like a thumb shape, a horseshoe curve in them because someone's thumb got in the way? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'll be the next slide. Um, <laughs> you know, so we got a lot of these really long, straight railroads, especially in the Midwest, and almost none of them have passenger service on them, which is crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's. You it's miss it's, out on all those passengers going from Toledo to Butler, Indiana? Yes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this is why people are telling you you can't have high-speed rail in the United States or, you know, lying to you or just completely ignorant of geography. Uh, Sometimes you do have, like, hills or mountains or stuff, and then you need to do alternate methods like, um, you know, for instance, straight through them. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Blow it up. Well, you can do like the uh, Delaware, Lackawanna, and Western did with the Lackawanna cutoff. You build a whole lot of fills and a whole lot of cuts and a lot of big bridges, and you get this nice straight high speed main line through mountainous areas right hmm. um is that the one with the sexy bridge on it uh yes yes yeah oh. so um and you could do uh, alternatively you can sort of follow the terrain like the pennsylvania railroad did down here with horseshoe curve mm-hmm. right big big thumb yeah that's yeah. not so not so direct but um you know you get lower grades um or you can do what the southern railway did here at saluda um, which is just build right up the side of the mountain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> average average grade on this is uh, four point two percent over oh, wow. two and a half miles. 
I think a lot of faith in brake engineers there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, actually, not that much faith because the switch you see on the front is actually a runoff track that ah. leads into a pile of dirt. I really, it's catch points. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, good, good. And um, if the if you if the the it automatically switches uh, to the main line only if you approach it less than eight miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could, so the. That that is very much the railroads online approach uh, yes. of have the have the crazy grade derail the train, don't worry about it, just get a new one. Yeah, exactly. every day I derail six coal trains, and that's just <laughs> I because know you derail Norfolk Southern. Holding out on me this whole time. <laughs> well, since, since you got a lot of long, heavy freight trains, um, you know, there's some extreme examples of trying to keep the grades way down. I'm just, this I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about <laughs> fatalist Norfolk Southern guys just lining up all of the engineers, like the fucking Chernobyl, like guys have to go into the reactor, like, listen, 75% of you are gonna die, but send it. That's, that's just the cost of doing business. Yeah. I serve I Norfolk I Southern. <laughs> just imagining like a yeah a guy in a Norfolk Southern sort of one of those like railroad engineer hats and yes. just like he's so used to derailing trains he just he just kind of goes whoop and then just pops off and the thing careens off down a mountain and explodes yeah, just, like just, just drop and roll um, also I <laughs> yeah, badly yeah. want a photoshop of the I served the Soviet Union meme but the guy's wearing a Norfolk Southern hat if the, if the train next to you derails pick up his cars and keep moving <laughs> <laughs> so since we got really long and heavy freight trains in the united states there are some extreme examples of really trying to keep the grades down at the expense of distance this is the clinchfield loops and uh this is in this is somewhere around like the border between virginia and kentucky and tennessee i want to say I, um i but, cannot stress enough the extent yeah. to which the the P-way engineer, the right-of-way engineer, took acid when designing this. <laughs> I'm gonna put a curve here, I'm gonna put a curve here, and we're gonna go straight through the mountain. I, 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 have, I have done this approach to track lane in a railway empire when I don't have enough money, and so I'm just like edging out the curve I can afford the whole time, and just working my way through a whole-ass mountain range like this. You, you can see here, uh, it says 1.9 airline miles, right, from here to here, but that is 16 miles by the railway. <laughs> they give you frequent <laughs> miles. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, an air, it, so an airline mile here means, like, straight line. Yes. Is it, is it, was yeah. the engineer trying, yeah, I, I was going to say, it's as the crow flies, right? That's kind of what yeah. airline miles. Suddenly, yeah. I, I, I get it now. It, was the engineer who designed this kind of trying to tell us something? It looks like a hand emerging from the ground in some oh, way. It does. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's mm -hmm. the. Uh, What's the, it the pointing hand. to? What's at the end of that furthest <laughs> north loop? Cold. Oh no, sorry, furthest east loop. <laughs> I would, I, I would assume it, this is all. This is all just so they could run longer coal trains, you know, um, because I, it doesn't matter how long coal takes to get to its destination because it's it doesn't go it doesn't bad. Doesn't go bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you leave it along for long enough, it becomes diamonds. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what it's at the end of that loop. 78 multi-generations of boxcar, just upside down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, until about 1916, when we basically stopped building new railroads in the United States, usually designing to one of those philosophies of how you, you sort of, um, you know, design the railroad. You're either doing it expensive and quick, or you're doing, you're doing something like this, 
with uh, lots of loops to keep the grades down. You might be doing something. But, uh, but another thing is we started to get a sort of an interest in running trains faster, right, mm-hmm. uh, in this sort of era. Um, now, here's where the argument starts. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know, because uh, some new research, this is, this, is, this is so nerdy, some new research by, I think, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers has put into question the Mallard record. So we're, we're, we're shooting it Good. ourselves. No. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not yours. T1's got yeah. it back, officially. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's yes. So by the, uh, by the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, you, you, some trains are starting to hit ter- ter- tremendous speeds, like 100 miles an hour, right? And it depends, you know, where you are. If you say, if you're American, you say New York Central 999 did it. If you're British, you say City of Truro did it, or maybe Flying Scotsman did it. Um, but of course, if you're us, you know it was Frank Ellerington on the Dalky Atmospheric Railway. Yes. In, uh, a single <laughs> terrified Irishman <laughs> surrounded by flying rats. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he there cared was... for them as if they were his own children, <laughs> and we salute him for it. So there was there was some interest in this era at, at figuring out okay how can we build like rail lines for these high speed services right one of the first proposals was uh, in Scientific American in 1893 the uh, St Louis uh, or the Chicago and St Louis Holy Electric shit. Railroad right look at those pointy noses I know mm-hmm. right really early streamlining just put a just put like a cone on the front. That's streamlining. That is not, you're not getting a wreck at a level crossing. That's shooting that shit into the air. Spear <laughs> <laughs> Just winding back the tension on a big crossbow bolt at one station. <laughs> oh, can you imagine a, uh, a truck getting stuck on the tracks with this barreling at it? Ooh. <laughs> just, just, just the engineer in the cab, just like, right, okay, open up the regulator, here we go. <laughs> So this was supposed to be a straight four-track main line for Chicago to St. Louis with uh, trains achieving sustained speeds of 100 miles an hour. Uh, didn't go anywhere. That proposal, you know, it, it was just sort of like, well, this is something we could build. And the experts were like, nah, you couldn't do that, right? Um, now, I would note that in the year of our Lord 2021, we have only just managed to upgrade the actual tracks between Chicago and St. Louis to 110 miles an hour. <laughs> And the trains and the, are actually uh, mm-hmm. limited to 90 miles an hour. And they don't look this cool. They do not look this cool. Coward shit. It took them 10 years to do it on a, a, a dead straight right away. <laughs> an almost dead straight right away. Right. Yeah. It's depressing. It is depressing. I mean, Britain is a wreck of a country, and we managed to get... Mm-hmm. How did we manage to do this? How did we manage to get 100 miles an hour on You're our main lines? welcome for the Ledley's Act. No. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that'll do it. One person I saw on Twitter said, you know, the reason it took so long and was so expensive to upgrade this line is because it was essentially, it wasn't so much line upgrades as figuring out how to bribe Union Pacific. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, admire, I admire the Union Pacific Railroad's commitment to still living and working like a 19th century robber baron would, yes. would run that company. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the same era... Uh, you know, there were yes. some, yes, some experiments yes. <laughs> with high-speed electric traction. This is a German car made by uh, AEG. It reached 120 miles an hour on the Marienfeld-Zossen Military Railway in 1903. 
Um, I really like this triple panograph system because it's a one panograph for twelve cars is yeah. bullshit. Is cowardly bullshit. <laughs> Six <laughs> pantographs for one car, baby. That is the feature. That's the ratio. <laughs> Get the I horse. love these guys stood in front of it like. Yeah, we have got all of the pentagraphs and we have put some on this train. It is very fast. Yeah, I like I like two things in life, pantographs and great codes, and I'm having the time <laughs> of my fucking life. <laughs> oh, it's made by AEG. They made my stove. Cool. Hmm. Oh. How many pantographs does it have? Zero pantographs. It is uh, <sighs> incredibly disappointing. And then in the United States, we have uh, like railroads like the uh, Chicago, Aurora, and Elgin uh we're running car running inner urban cars these these little really fast trolley cars they were running them at speeds of 70 80 miles an hour um, oh my god yeah like like sustained or average speeds of 60 miles an hour over 35 miles from aurora to chicago and that's with stops right i mean oh, inter urban so cool. car based yeah. yes <laughs> absolutely fucking based <laughs> uh, the pacific electric was going even faster in uh, los angeles um, I don't, I don't know if it was going so fast on this line, but I know that the uh, the president of the railroad managed to uh, ride in his private car, um, from uh, downtown Los Angeles to Long Beach, which was, uh, uh, I think it was twenty miles in fifteen minutes. <laughs> Remember what they took from us? <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. But also, I would be interested to know what the dentist bills of any passengers in that vehicle would be afterwards. <laughs> I'm also Here's thinking your mouth of all, guard. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the children the car ran over on the way, <laughs> smashing through horses and carts. That, that seems like a personal problem. Yeah. yeah. Why, why did we rouse it through an orphanage? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, but in the early 1900s, electric interurbans were like a really hot new trend. They were cheap to build. They were easy to get investment financing for, right? And they sprung up everywhere. Uh, often even the smallest town would have multiple interurban lines uh, coming to it, right? Um, Must be nice. It was, well, well, it, it was, was sort of like, it was, it was like, uh, they were like tech startups. If there oh. were, like, if, we have if a the, slide in our office. <laughs> if there were a, um, <laughs> If if there were a trash future podcast in the early 1900s, yeah, trash future, yeah, trash future, trash future, trash future. <laughs> uh, Riley would be would start each episode by trying to figure out what the gimmick behind the new interurban line was. <laughs> He'd be doing his KFC voice, and yeah. that'd be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one knew at this point if um, you know uh, electric traction was going to work on uh you know steam railroads as they were called anything that was not an inner urban was a steam railroad you know electric locomotives were in their infancy uh no one knew if it was feasible but one guy had an idea so oh. <laughs> muhammad bin salman yes <laughs> pennsylvania <Yeah>. edition <laughs> so alexander miller uh, was aware of the Chicago, Aurora, and Elgin high-speed main line, but he had bigger ideas than that. So he was a businessman, right? He had started a bank in Aurora. Uh, he had his own block signaling company, um, you know, for like railroad block signals. Um, and while he was on the new and very fast 20th Century Limited, that's the New York Central's train from New York City to Chicago, you know, he was traveling at this incredible speed of 85 miles an hour along the Hudson River, which coincidentally is about the same speed it goes today. Um, 
three hours into his journey at Albany, right, he realized as fast as the train had been going, he was actually farther from Chicago now than when the trip started. This is such a getting <laughs> bored following the GPS on the yeah. plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like not understanding <laughs> how great circles work, being like, what the fuck? Why, why Newfoundland? Why, yeah. why are we further away? <laughs> why not? <laughs> and of course, the answer is because New York Central had an exceptionally low-grade line. This is the path of least resistance. Um, so, I, I mean, we say least resistance. What, what was it? I mean, I suppose maybe we'll get there, but like, Presumably it was going to pass through some stuff, right? Yeah, you're going up the Hudson River, you go past all these places like uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, Albany, uh, all these, all these uh, towns that grew up along the Hudson River, then you sort of follow the Erie Canal up to about Buffalo, right? And you had other big cities like Rochester, Syracuse, you know, Schenectady. So, so what, year was, what year was it that, that he... He had this epiphany. Do we know? This is, I want to say, 1903-ish. So the indigenous populations have been long decimated uh, through you. So this oh, is since yeah. when has yeah. that ever mattered to a railroad <laughs> guy? Yeah, yeah this is yeah. just... The only people you're pissing off are like early 1900s new NIMBYs. Yes. Mm. Well, most of this area was relatively... It's actually, a lot of it was more populated than it is now. Um, oh, wow, okay. So... You know, um, so Alexander Miller is is thinking, well, what if the train could travel much more directly? And he comes up with this idea, what if you just built it in a straight line? <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, an airline. Yes, an airline. Yeah. And, and and he comes up with the Chicago to New York Electric Airline Railroad. Now the spec- specifications for this right of way were very impressive, right? There would be four tracks, 1% ruling grade, right? Yes. Yeah, so one foot in every 100 feet, right, at most. Full grade separation, right? Oh. There were going to be no, no railroad crossings. Uh, it was going to be third rail electric operation, mm. because that's what people thought was the way forward back then. But the main thing was there were going to be no curves, Put me out of a job, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been replaced with guy who owns his own ruler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trains were going to be powered by electric locomotives, which the uh, the press, we'll talk about the press later, called mm-hmm. electromotives. Right? <laughs> cool. They were going to mm-hmm. run at a sustained speed of 100 miles an hour. Now, of course, there were no electric locomotives that could make that speed at this time. It's a startup. Um, you know, yes. the technology's going <laughs> to follow the innovation. They would make the trip from New York to Chicago in 10 hours for a $10 fare. Ooh. Now, now this is echoey, because this starts, the fact that they're like, oh, it's going to be so cheap, does start sounding a little bit hyperloopy. Because uh, that's claimed I'm, to, I'm like, gonna, have I'm, go, I'm just going to go fares. to my inflation uh, calculator. $10 in 1903 uh, gives... Uh, three hundred and fifteen dollars and eighty-five cents. So less than I thought, but still, oh, damn. Well, that was um, that was about that was ten dollars cheaper than any other method of getting between the two uh, cities. Mm. Mm. Um, it's a not insignificant distance. Yeah, so. you, you, yeah. you begin yeah, to yeah. see why uh, why hobos in the like rail travel very very expensive. Yes. Mm. 
And at 742 miles, this route would be 150 miles shorter than the Pennsylvania Railroad. That's this lower green line here, right, which is the more direct route, but it was a little slower just because it went through the mountains. And it was 230 miles shorter than New York Central's route. That's the upper green line up here, right? Um, and, and both of those railroads, they had their premier passenger trains that competed with each other. There was the New York Central had the 20th Century Limited. The Pennsylvania Railroad at this point had the uh, what was called the Pennsylvania Special. It would shortly be renamed to the Broadway Limited. Um, those Ooh, those uh, trains. You, you, you got to say the 20th Century Limited is a cooler name. This it's is true. It's Get cool. fucked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so this is 742 miles, right? This, yes. This new uh, route. So new. To, for, for scale, for all of the, the weird people who, like me and Alice, uh, decided to stay living on this weird cold rock, that's mm-hmm. like about 20 miles longer than the longest journey you can do by rail in the UK, so between Aberdeen and Penzance. That's, that gives an idea of scale um, here. That is a long, long old journey. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, both the Pennsylvania special and the 20th century limited were on 20 hour schedules at this point, those that would eventually be reduced to 16 hours and then increased to whatever the fuck it is now, like 25 hours or some crap. Mm. Um, (laughs) so, all right. So he has his idea. Next step is to get investors, right? Um, yeah, I think, I think fittingly this weird railroad starts in Chicago's weirdest building. The modded knock building. Um, this is a 16-story uh, skyscraper, but rather than be built with a steel frame, they just built it out of load-bearing masonry. I remember this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we did it in the the the, the, the tall buildings bonus. Subscribe yeah. to the Patreon, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do that. Thank you for doing do uh, for doing a better job of advertising our Patreon than we do. Than we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I put the uh, I put the uh, the bumper in now. I, yeah, you're yeah. cool now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is AC Miller in a very bad photograph. Um, below him, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not <laughs> looking sinister at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just looming out of the darkness. Yeah, nice. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> Although uh, I have a lot to. Uh, there's a lot to be said for those rounded collars. Big fan of those. Mm. There's, uh, there's uh, uh, another another photo down here. This is Jonathan D. Price, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, I think you got to bring the rounded collar back. To be honest, like there's nothing stopping yeah. you. You can get a rounded collar shirt. I think for, I sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where are those? Need them. Yeah. So Miller had a plan to finance his railroad, right? Which is he was just going to sell stock directly to the public, right? He was just going right. to say, "I have a railroad. Buy stock in it, so Buy I can it. build it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was how all investment worked <laughs> until. Uh, well, I mean, it still does, but especially so. This was how all investment worked. It's just, yeah, you should give me a lot of money. Yeah, just give me your money. Um, just give me your money. To be fair, it was a more transparent time. At least you could sort of see what was... I, I feel like I understood, like, early stage... No, early 1900s sort of capitalism. At least it sort of kind of made sense. You could see what was going cynical. on. You yeah. could see where the money was well, going. The th- yeah, well, the thing is, the reason why that's the case is because if you were, say, I, I don't know, like a Carnegie or a Stanford or whatever, and you wanted to do a, a tax dodge, you just said that's what you were doing because half of that <laughs> shit wasn't yeah. illegal yet. Um, whereas now you have to have all of these sort of like schemes and like names for things in order to like hide that what you're doing is a Ponzi scheme. No one had fucking heard of Ponzi yet. Yeah. 
On July 8th, 1906, Miller took out a full-page ad in every major newspaper in the United States advertising the incredible new airline railroad, right? You can see that. That's, this is that advertisement. You, you can see it's um, be- beautiful uh, text formatting. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, got the, you got the engraving. What, is this a shit post? Yeah, you got like the, you, you got like the, the picture of the, the proposed electromotive here. Um, I quite I, like that. Yeah, I kind of. Uh, it looks like kinda, looking like a World War One tank, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. I was going to say it's it's got the scoop shit out of the way vibe again, so you're safe on uh, level crossing. Just, uh, just nice to know that even back in the day, reading the newspaper, you'd find a fucking like full page advertorial, and you'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, twenty thousand shares were issued at a hundred dollars a piece. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cool. That's that. That's fine. That that is stonks right there. Yeah. Got them. Airline Railroad was a holding company, right? Uh-oh. Which operated in Indiana, but incorporated in Portland, Maine, with its oh, headquarters dear. in Chicago. Oh. Um, right. De- Delaware, Delaware hadn't invented the only Delaware industry in Delaware right yet. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it issued this extremely rosy prospectus, right? Um, which uh, uh, said that you know, one of the main things they really, really advertise is like, we don't, we don't deal with the banks. We just issue stock directly to you, the people, right? Uh-oh. Oh, that yeah. also rings true. Mm, uh, yeah. yeah. Hyperloopy type, loopy, hyper. Yeah, you're, FM you're, shit you're a on. rational consumer, and now you can be an investor, just like the big banks. And it published its own newspaper that was sent to the stockholders for the purpose of spreading propaganda about the railroad. It was that is fucking genius. <laughs> it's called. I mean, the- to be fair, I would like that if we had a newspaper that just spread propaganda about railways. I, I, yeah, I, I'd, well, I'd it's write a podcast, for that. but yeah, it's true. Oh yeah, true. It's it. We're we're doing it now. This is it. That's right. right. It was called the Airline News, right? Once a month you'd get, <laughs> you'd get Yeah, you'd get a <laughs> you'd get a newspaper about all the latest going on on the Chicago to New York Electric Airline Railroad. Subscribe ah, to so AC Miller, if- like subscribe <laughs> yeah. to my Substack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're making out as if it's real. This is interesting because it's like it's it's like what we see with all these sorts of Okay, yes, this was a railroad and it was based on actual real technology rather than some of the sort of bollocks that we see nowadays. But it, yeah. it, there are so many parallels. So this idea that that they're sort of hyping up this thing as if it's real, talking about it as if it's a real thing being, oh, yeah, it's happening. It's happening, yeah, folks. It's happening. Uh, <laughs> and just, just hyping it. It's quite interesting because that is so much what we see with some of the kind of, well, basically Hyperloop that claims yeah, that there I'm, are several lines being yeah. built now, which obviously is bollocks. And the fact is that this is this is like the state of the art for advertising at the time. It, it, mm. Like, if you transport this to the present day, this is like a lot of like glossy videos with special effects yeah. and stuff. So, if you the, can, yeah, the parallels just keep coming. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is the the equivalent. Of, in fact, that picture at the top is the rendered. It's the rendered CGI, isn't it? That is. <laughs> yeah. the, it, it's, it's, <laughs> if you can put it in Renderite. That makes it real. Mm. Hi, it's Justin. Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is you give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. 
Uh, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but you know, it's two bucks. You get what you pay for. Um, it also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, join at patreon.com forward slash WTYP pod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. So, uh, the most respected um, journal of, um, uh, of uh, you know, electric railway technology, the Electric Railway Review, wrote that. Yeah, um, I still get that. Yeah. Mm. The financing scheme of the Chicago to New York Electric Airline Railroad seems to us vicious, dangerous, and wholly unworthy of confidence <laughs> by investors. Fuck! <laughs> 20,000 shares, baby. <laughs> All right. So they start, they start drawing up plans, right? Mm. Um, and it's difficult to determine to what extent plans were drawn up for the airline. Well, it's because um, you only really need one plan. It's you draw the line. You draw the line. You draw the line. <laughs> There was occasionally some admission they thought maybe we might have to put some curves in when we hit the Allegheny Mountains, right? So, so that oh, okay. there was always a potential there may have been a curve, but we. Do I'm just know- picturing the guy. I'm picturing the design guy with like with his union badge and then holding up his ruler, which also has a union badge on it, and sort of smiling for the camera. So. We do know that surveyors made it as far as the Ohio, like most of the way through Ohio, because mm. one of them named Theodore Niemeyer uh, was shot what by a, a farmer while he was surveying oh. the route. <laughs> oh my god, that's happened to me. Oh my god. Okay, right. Brief segue. So whilst surveying for a railway line being built in lovely Oxfordshire, I had a local massively inflated red-nosed tweed-wearing landowner come down, clearly smashed. Uh, and and uh, waved a shotgun around and shot a shotgun over our heads. So this 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 hurts. This this comes close. <laughs> the Green Party I'm- is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> they must be stopped. <laughs> uh, Listen, thre- threatening railroad surveyors is like a bipartisan consensus. Everyone loves to do it. <laughs> Uniting right and left. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nemoyer survived. Uh, getting shot, uh, which is well, good. It's a lot easier to do in those days. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You can um, jump out of the way. Now, the general plan here was they were going to build out the route in stages, and once each section had paid for itself, they would move on to the next section. How will it pay for itself if it's only going from fucking uh, Chicago yeah. to a field south of <laughs> Cleveland, because Cleveland is in the wrong place? Uh, we'll, ju- <laughs> we'll just issue some more stock. Dot Alice. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Getting some dot-com vibes now. Yeah. Mm. So they, they put some thought into how to access Chicago. The idea was they would lease tracks from other railroads until an actual, their own right-of-way could be required. And they put almost no thought into how to get to Jersey City. Because <laughs> yes, neither do the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I think man, getting into Manhattan was out of the question at the time, right? Oh, really? So where were they planning on terminating this thing? They would what have was terminated like- at, like, the edge of the Hudson River and had a ferry bring you across. 
that was what every railroad was doing at the time, except the New York Central, which had mm. Grand Central Terminal, and the Pennsylvania Railroad was gearing up to build the New York Connecting Railroad in Penn Station. Um, but at the okay, time, so- the Hudson River was kind of this impervious uh, barrier, you know, and there were like half a dozen gigantic railroad terminals on the Jersey waterfront uh, mm. for various railroads, only two of which are left now. Um, <laughs> Hoboken and Communipaw. I bet that's fine for modern capacity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a wholly owned construction company was founded, uh, headed by uh, J.D. Price, who we saw in the last slide. It was called the hmm. Cooperative Construction Company, right? And it was paid exclusively in airline stock, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> and then the uh, this, this, was, this was legal then. <laughs> yes. And and that stock was then resold by uh, the company, right? Oh, dear. Um, now, uh, the airline holding company, again, was just a holding company. So to build the first segment of the airline, they got a charter for the Goshen, South Bend, and Chicago Railroad, right? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Goshen and South Bend are both towns in Indiana. We all know South Bend because, you know, Pete. Pete Mayor, Mayor Pete, yeah. Yeah, Mayor Pete, yeah. Oh, um, I was going to say touchdown, Jesus. <laughs> Construction began September 1st, 1906. Okay, so you know what I was saying about understanding early 1900s capitalism? Mm-hmm. I think I might have lied. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it got confusing real quick. Yeah. No. It's like the three cups and there's one ball and you got to keep your eye on the ball <laughs> <laughs> under the cups. They've just correctly identified that if you issue stock, uh, it, it, you could just say it's worth whatever, whatever, and just deal it to whoever uh, is your friend, and then just have them sell it on themselves. It's a fantastic idea, and it's wildly illegal now. This is also an era where you really had to like charter 15 separate railroads to build one continuous railroad, right? In mm. this case, they chartered this particular company because they were building in Indiana. Indiana required the railroad to be incorporated in Indiana for it to be to it for it to build in Indiana, right? Um, so you know th- th- this would be the company that be the, for the first segment, and presumably they charter another one in Ohio, they charter one for Pennsylvania, they charter one for Jersey, right? Uh, maybe several smaller ones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a, it's a whole it's a whole it was very complicated getting railroads built back in the day. Um, as opposed to now, when it's as very opposed to easy. now, where you just can't actually do it at all. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, physics has changed, Justin. You know, physics has changed now, so it's just not possible. It's true. Uh, it's it's actually made made. It's actually more efficient to do everything with cars, as we know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yay! I mean, construction oh. construction started September first, nineteen oh six. I hear big, a date in the big city <laughs> of Laporte, Indiana. <laughs> it's probably just Laporte, but it is Laporte, and they built this line from downtown Laporte, Indiana, to South Laporte, Indiana. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, there we go. But was it Easy. in a straight line? Yes, this is right down. Good. I think this is I Street. Um. <laughs> All right. Okay. Great. Perfect. No notes. So, so the intention here was they were going to build a railroad 120 miles from Chicago to Goshen, Indiana. Um, the slight complication there was that none of the towns named in that name, Chicago, Goshen, or South Bend, were along the line. 
And in fact, no towns at all were along the line. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, it is. It's oh, the line. They're in the wrong place. Yes. Um, all of these were going to be served by branches, of which this initial three-mile segment was the first one, right? And this is, uh, there's a joke about how, like, a lot of interurbans in this era, they're kind of, they go from, you're, you're like, you're building, you're getting financing and building you know, the nowhere in East Armpit electric railway. <laughs> um, this is definitely that because the Laporte, you know, that's an actual town. It's not a big one. Um, South Laporte was nothing. Um, there was nothing there. Yeah. Like literally it's- nothing. <laughs> like, so like what Dan Snyder did for, to make uh, with the towns around FedEx, that sort of thing. <laughs> the, um, the one thing that was there was a work camp for construction of the Chicago to New York electric <laughs> railroad. <laughs> always get to work. It's, it's self-sustaining. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so th- this this is interesting because we've gone from a line, we've gone from a straight line, a 740 mile straight line, to many branches going in all directions, and yes. the reality <laughs> is looking somewhat different to the the vision. So J.D. Price hired an experienced electric street railroad engineer named Blake Maple Doram. Right? What? That, that, that's a fucking name. Say again, Ma- Maple Doram. I don't know. The, the, this I'm yeah. named Blake Maple Doram. Yes. That's the sound of a Google Chrome skin. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when anime would name a Canadian. <laughs> so J.D. Price was like, listen, the shareholders are getting antsy already. We've got to start construction now. And Maple Dorham was like, no, actually, it's September. You should wait until the spring thaw to start building. And Price was like, no, do it now. So he started doing what he could get done during the winter, and then they had to rip it all up and start over again after the spring thaw. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. You win some, you lose some. Um, Price hired um, Italians and African Americans at the whopping rate of $7.25 a day. He Getting would very not, close to the railroad and blazing uh, saddles here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would not hire local labor because of reasons. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> he said they were lazy. Um, you were probably union. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just discriminating yeah. against <laughs> Indianans. You have to pay them enough to like buy a, you know, pay for a house and food. Exactly. So, mm. Unacceptable. Service began with great fanfare on June 15th. From where? From Laporte to South Laporte. And then back again, if you <laughs> yeah, want. And then back again. On That's the first, service. June 15th, 1907, over 2,000 fares would be carried that day. What? And on th- this segment of the airline, that would be one of their best days ever. This oh. is yeah, the, the entire town just gets the railroad there and back for no reason. It's, uh, this is this is something close to the more predatory startups we talk about on Trash Future, where like it in it like preys upon the hopes of a small town that is otherwise neglected. Oh man, I'm just I'm just visualizing all these incredibly pleased people from Laporte, just like all of them where they're like excessively long dresses and they're it's like really gonna hats. put Laporte on the map. Just, yeah. just the joy, that like big pupils, they're like they're like they're doing dirt face because they're so happy. And they then just end up in a field and yeah. they say, oh we're gonna wait here for a bit before yeah. we go back. In, we might want to walk. In a hundred years, people are going to remember that Laporte, Indiana, was the starting place of the Chicago New York Electric Airline, and yes. in a way, they were right. <laughs> they were right. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> monkey's paw curled. One of the one of the fun things about Laporte is um, 
the 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 Chicago New York Electric Airline was actually the second interurban to come to the city. What? Uh, so they, they already had one that ran down the same street. <laughs> I think it's great like, just to have like trains as a fad. Yeah, can we bring that back, please? Well, I'm had, visualizing the the interurban just overtaking the new one, just like the, the the old slightly shabby interurban just whizzing past, and the people in the interurban going, "Oh, the fare is cheaper. What? Why did yeah. you get that?" Thing? <laughs> You couldn't pay me to step foot on that inner urban. On their, <laughs> on their main street, there were two railroad tracks in the main street. And you would think, oh, this is a two-way trolley line. No, it was actually two uh, uh, bi-directional no. inner no. urban lines. Oh <laughs> it's just two signal, single tracks, not a double track. Jesus. <laughs> Owned by two separate companies who run cars Capitalism in both rules, directions dude. on each one. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> now, while they're doing that, plans for building the actual airline uh, start to happen, right? They got their work camp set up here. They know they're sort of right away. They start building. Good. So Sure. Then they built 250 miles of it and started running services, right? R- well. Yes. Oh. That's so, what happened. Job. How could you disappoint Laporte, Indiana, home of the Marion Ridgeway Polygonal Barn, the Francis H. Morrison House, and, uh, and, and, and the downtown Laporte Historic District this way? Listen, do, do you, I'm sorry, do you think there's something funny about the downtown Laporte Historic District? Because it's... it's <laughs> it's got a long We've list of Gareth. of some nice Italian buildings. It, ha- it has it has a Romanesque county courthouse. So I'm sorry, I'll be back. The, 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 the bank is a typical Greek temple facade of limestone, but what makes it special is that they impose the facade on an otherwise flat surface. The combination of a projecting pediment and a receding arch make the entrance imposing and seemingly larger than its neighbors. One of the best of its kind anywhere in central Indiana. <laughs> Bless you. Northern Indiana, Great. excuse me. <laughs> so... Price and Miller were trying to figure out how we're going to build the airline proper, and they figured the best option would be to build west towards Chicago from South Laporte, right? And this I is don't where know. The- you think Chicagoans are ready? They're probably going to get like Stendhal syndrome once they see the Laporte <laughs> historic district. <laughs> Someday soon we'll be a real player. Well, I gotta say, back then it wasn't the historic district; it was just the district. Yeah, the district. Um, Actually, I think there was uh, the the block where they had their local offices for the airline was called the uh, Balcony District, and I took a look on Street View. I didn't see any balconies. I was confused. <laughs> oh, um, liars. Uh, Laporte yeah. is cancelled. J.K. Rowling has a key to the sissy. The fuck? Oh, what? Oh, uh, fuck him. Because, because uh, it was presented to her by uh, a guy called Emerson Sparts, incredible Indiana name there, Wow. Um, who was the founder of MuggleNet, a Harry Potter fan site? Emer- Emerson, Spart, and Palmer. Um, uh-huh. I can no yeah. longer relate to these Laporte people. Yeah. You guys don't want to read some Harry Draco <laughs> slash fic? So this is... <laughs> you, this you guys? Is, the- is it just me? <laughs> guys? 
Surprise. <laughs> this is where... I, I'm just thinking about the opportunity to uplift Chicagoans by letting them see the home of the advanced Roomly Tractor Company. <laughs> <laughs> this is where... Roomy? The Roomy, Roomy the Tractor Company. The, 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 yeah, the, the advanced Roomly Company. We're talking about the Tractor. <laughs> yeah. It, apparently, th this this roomly tractor was one of the one of the great innovations of Great Plains farming. Really, please go on. <laughs> well, they had a they had roomly oil pull tractors powered by a hot bulb engine. Ooh. Say that again slower. Uh, yeah, it used kerosene. Ooh. Oh, okay. Mm. We're we're gonna talk about the airline. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm not All sorry. Right. Actually, this is hey, my job. I, I like this. I like this annotation on this uh, on this particular drawing here. You can see the the, the extended uh, sleepers, the extended ties yeah. for the third rail. Yeah, cool. they were actually going to put a third rail in. Um, Which begs the question: What the hell is above it? Why why well, have they built what looked like catenary oh, they, supports? They above put it? in trolley poles because those were cheaper to start out with, and they figured they put the third rail in later. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So um, this is where the engineering requirements start to uh, take their toll, right? So the first thing they sort of value engineered out was building it four tracks. What they decided to do was grade it for two tracks and put in one track to start, and they'd put in the rest of the tracks later, right? Oh, here we go. Here yeah. we fucking go. It's HS2 again. It's fine <laughs> if you just, it's just a bus now. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, they had to cross several railroads and they were going to grade separate all of them. You can see one of the big abutments they built to cross mm. the, uh, this is the Monongahela railroad. That's, that's uh, nice. Looks good. Yeah. Uh, you can see the crappy wooden trestle here that was all going to get filled in. Um, right. So, you know, they're building these big, heavy steel girder bridges, very expensive, right? Uh, they needed lots and lots of cuts and fills for areas, which under normal circumstances, you could have just made a little curve and go around. Mm. Um, yeah, but then that defeats the purpose of the straight line railroad. Obviously, yep. yes. Um, but the uh, the railroad, you know, they 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 seem to be making some good time for a while. The, the one difficulty is that JD Price insisted on building during the winter, which no. didn't. Yeah, just love building during the winter. Yeah, yeah like he, Hitler, he, like Napoleon. He yes. just loves he just loves the Rasputitsa. So they. You know, they, they, they proceeded a pace until they reached um, what, uh, an incredibly formidable obstacle. Okay. Which was Coffee Creek. Oh, cracky. I was going to say, there was a picture in the previous slide of coffee, which said the big cut near Coffee Creek, and it looked like shit. So that, that, that but that's not actual Coffee Creek. That's just no. a cut on the approach to it, right? Yes. Uh, co coffee Creek was... Um, oh, golly. So <laughs> named because, according to local Porter County legend, a, a teamster had dropped a bag of coffee in it once by accident. <laughs> yeah. I love the Well, if you don't have names to start with because you killed all the people who originally named the place, then you've got to make them up. Mm -hmm. And true. clearly they were reaching at this point. My boss is a shitty asshole, Creek. <laughs> <laughs> every, every once in a while, you hear like about a waterway that's named Creek, which is actually quite wide and formidable. Um, this Ooh. is not one of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> This was a very, <laughs> very tiny waterway, right? This is the stream of water that happens which, when you pee in sand. Which was at the bottom of a small valley, right? And because of the engineering requirements, um, in order to cross it, they required maybe not the largest fill ever, ever, but certainly a fill which was wildly disproportionate to the geographic obstacle in question, right? 
What's um, what's the sane thing to do here? Like, if you're not wedded to the straight line thing, how do you fucking cross Coffee Creek? Follow the contours, I think. Yeah, that's what I'd do. Definitely follow the contours. Find a better place to cross, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I have to say also, just as a as a civil engineer note, I do not like their approach to building these fills. Do Jesus, do not bury a trestle. <laughs> that is a recipe for disaster. We built a few like that in the UK, and they have all failed horribly and resulted in the railway being closed. I, this was uh, a really common practice in the United States. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, what they, um, you know, so the airline at this point is 15 miles west of South Laporte, right? They have gone through zero towns or cities. Um, but they were very soon to pass just a few miles north of the town of Valparaiso, Indiana. Right? Valpo, there's a university there. Yes. Ah. All right. A place I've heard of. They built a 6,800 foot long wooden trestle over the bridge. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then they brought work trains out and they just dumped dirt over the side to make the fill, right? Um, sure. Do. Now, luckily, owing to the absurd quantity of cuts on the route, there was plenty of fill dirt available, but the work was still- Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, so, so that certainly the way the railway, railways, railroads were done, I mean, most places were that you, you designed the railroad to balance cut and fill so that you had enough material, right? Yeah. Um, I'd hope they did that here. Uh? I have no idea. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you'd it's, hope. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild that they had all these cuts and fills because- Northern Indiana, it's not as flat as Ohio, but it's pretty flat. <laughs> and they still needed all these cuts and fills. Um, yeah, crikey. Now, with some bad construction practices combined with bad terrain, you know, there were delays, there were accidents. Um, they still tried to build it during the winter. Um, in the middle of construction, there was a sinkhole that opened up underneath <laughs> the trestle, and it collapsed part of the trestle, and a work train fell over. It's gone. Just let yeah. it go. Let it go. Just the guy just yeah. like takes his hat off and holds yeah. it to his yeah, chest. It, it counts as fill. Yeah. It counts as fill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just looking down, holding his hat to his chest, and the supervisor comes up and says, "You've done it. You've done us proud. It's part of the job now. It's uh, yeah." It's, <laughs> It just as, to be as, with as another ancestors. train immediately arrives and starts pouring dirt on top of it. <laughs> it's like the, the equivalent of a burial at sea, but for a train, is to be buried into a railroad cussing. <laughs> and this, this, this uh, drained the company's resources, right? Just completely. Because well, the resources um, were all largely price... made up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The only resource they had was dirt, and all of it was in this one fill. It's incredible that, you know, back in the day, a stock market scam or could uh, actually result in a physical change to the environment as opposed to an app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is more than any Hyperloop will build this century. So we should, we should, we should respect them. This is true. Um, and this resulted in Price and Miller considering the unthinkable. Whoa. A curve. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Those sons of bitches, they don't even know what Probably they're doing. They betray oh their, my God. their ethos like this. Rather than wind up with an extremely expensive and over-engineered uh, railroad from nowhere to nowhere, right? the airline chartered a new railroad, the Valparaiso and Northern, to build north from Valparaiso to a place called Goodrum Junction. Right. And that sort of followed Coffee Creek. Um, and then that built further up to uh, Chesterton, right up here. 
So now they had a railroad from nowhere to somewhere. That's a little bit better. Um, (laughs) I have this map, right? I have queries. Uh, These may come up. Why are they doing little branches to all of these places when they could just join them up with dots? Like it's a join the dots. They don't need to have branches between mm-hmm. all of them. Oh, straight line. Straight oh line. my you, god! You need the straight line. The straight line is determined by Chicago to New York. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it would still be basically a straight no, line. No, they just they're insistent no, no, that you do like a, both a micro and a macro straight line. The fact that you're merely (laughs) charting like a sort of a straight line course that hasn't been done before, that's too good of an idea. Instead, no, what you have to do is you have to have it be literally straight the whole way. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, And at this point, the the airline, you know, they're looking for like an excuse for people to use most of the line because not a lot of people are going from Laporte to Valparaiso, right? So they build an amusement park called Airline Park. Over here, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was actually very common for interurban lines to do that. Um, yeah, we have really? one in Philly, right? Um, Fairmount no, Park. Do, no, Fairmount was trolley? not was not an amusement park, though. Um, oh, okay, my bad. We did there. Actually, was an amusement park just outside of Fairmount Park, which uh, one of the uh, I don't remember which company built that one, um, right? But it did exist. It was an interurban park. A couple of the Six Flags parks were actually interurban parks. You know, some of them survived, most of them did not. Um, but it, it was something that interurban lines did in order to keep collecting fares on weekends. You know, everyone would go out to the amusement park, they'd take the interurban out there. I mean, that that is kind of awesome, but also uh, absolutely yeah, hilarious that they needed to do that to drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also just, I mean, I'm horribly interrupting. I'm so sorry, but I suppose that is basically uh, all of our jobs other than you, uh, Justin. Um, I've just seen the scale uh, here. Yeah, I was, I was kind of visualizing that this is kind of going off to getting towards Chicago. No, no, this is the scale. It's like 22 miles, 16 miles. We're looking at just like a very short, like 50 miles section of the line here. I, you know, it is surprising it even got as far as 50 miles. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, they just acquired two very large, very fancy interurban cars, number 103, which was named Ohm, and number 104, which was named Amper, right? Clever. And, uh, See what they did there. Yeah, but the track conditions weren't good enough for them to actually be used. Oh. <laughs> so it's zero Amper and infinity Ohm. Yes. Uh, is what the new name should have been. A lot of resistance, yeah. Um, Three. <laughs> so at this point... Everyone sort of saw the airline was sort of financially infeasible. They needed to figure out a new business plan. Um, stockholders are really angry at the like, you know, how all their money had been squandered here on crossing a small creek. Um, <laughs> Listen, we, we've conquered Coffee Creek. Is yeah. that not enough for you? We've like, it's like the Transcontinental Railroad. We're driving in a Jerry golden Jerry back there spike. is buried with the train. Like. Yeah. <laughs> just imagining Alex Miller, Alexander Miller, just standing like with his arms, like with his arms on his hips, sort of with his hat, oh, looking yeah. down on it, nodding at this massive long fill from nowhere to nowhere, and going. Oh yeah. I badly want to see one of those like triumphal sort of like meeting of the transcontinental railroad oil paintings, but it's taking place on like a a fifty foot <laughs> trestle above a tiny creek. <laughs> Ohm and Ampere just meeting each other with just this tiny, <laughs> tiny like piss trickle at the bottom of the at the bottom of the film. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, for reference, everything we've talked about so far has happened in section D right here, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so this this is 20 miles. This is about 20, yeah, 20 miles or so away from uh, uh, South Laporte, right? <laughs> Doing good, boys. Doing good, the, boys. The stockholders yeah. are really mad. Like, what, you know, th- we want a way to, like, recoup our money. Like, come on, guys. And U.S. Steel Corporation came to the rescue. Here we go. Yeah. So... Owing to like a, a, a national steel shortages because of underproduction, U.S. Steel was trying to bu- build a big new steel mill. The site they chose was at the southern tip of Lake Michigan, at a place which was going to be called Gary, right? I, I know that place, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> I didn't place. know Gary, yeah. Indiana was a planned yeah. city. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It was named after Albert Henry Gary, who was the founder of U.S. Steel. Not so much. Huh. I mean, sort of founder. I mean, he. He was one of the guys who brought together all the big steel companies like Carnegie and others, you know, into mm. one brand, really was, creating okay. a proper monopoly. <laughs> Mild segue. Was U.S. Steel entirely like just capitalism becoming a monopoly type situation? Or was there any oh, state yeah. intervention to make that? Oh, it was just it was just capitalism becoming a monopoly. Standard. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, standard <laughs> was oil. Now, this brand new city required a brand new streetcar system, and luckily, the airline had accidentally acquired one. (laughs) (laughs) So a man named Frank N. Gavitt had started the Gary and Interurban Railway in 1907, right? Um, And he decided to contract with J.D. Price of the Cooperative Construction Company Mm. to uh, build it, right? And J.D. Price said, oh, you don't have to pay me cash, just give me stock. Oh, here what? we go. Yeah. yeah. Real <laughs> believer. Same. Guy yeah. just loved getting stock certificates. He exactly. loved that shit. He, you walk, oh, yeah. you walk. Like he's not gaining anything here. So is he has he got like is he is he like has he got some sort of neurodiverse obsession with just collecting <laughs> stock? What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah can, you walk yeah. in you walk <laughs> into his office and you know, like, uh, oh, what's the price? He's like, Oh, you don't pay with money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So by 1911, as um, Gary, uh, the Gary and Interurban Railway became relatively successful, um, but they were still expanding, they had given enough stock to J.D. Price that he now had a controlling interest in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, just give him some more stock until this, yeah. this, this yeah. weird guy goes away, yeah, yeah. and it turns out they've accidentally given him 51% of the stock. Oh, seize the radio stations. the 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 airline now owned a franchise in gary to build street railways which they capitalized on right they chartered the gary connecting railway to build from east gary over here along the proposed airline right-of-way but when they hit the baltimore and ohio right-of-way here rather than crossing it directly they made a curve Oh, then <laughs> yeah. Screw these guys. Yeah. They don't know what the shit they're doing. At that point, you know, the airline dream was dead. Uh, the curve had been made. There was actually a bridge under construction to cross the B&O. They abandoned it. Uh, oh, I, I, devastating news. Yeah. Right around that time, airline news ceased publication out of shame. <laughs> <laughs> And um, 
so this was like the end of the airline, but the, the, the railroad itself, the idea of the airline, the railroad itself continued on for a little bit longer. But one of the issues is the charter they got from the city of Gary specified a five cent fare, right? Not accounting for inflation or anything, right? So the airline, which is now largely doing business as Gary and Interurban Railway, uh, started losing revenue and losing revenue and losing revenue. And in 1917, they went bankrupt. Right. It's very funny to like trap your interurban railroad in a sort of like contractual mm-hmm. term like that. It's happening yeah. everywhere in the country, like about <laughs> simultaneously. Um, it's, interurbans are awesome, but also simultaneously, all of them seem to have murdered themselves. They all well, seem it, to have gotten into a room with like the mm-hmm. conniving mayor of the town, mm-hmm. who is like, "Oh yeah, we'll 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 set the fares for you at a generous five cents forever." Yeah. A lot of time, a lot of times, it was it was you know you have five cent fare regulation basically everywhere. Um, a lot of times, if you ran a railway down a street, you were responsible for paving and snow removal, um, as well as like Ouchie. street sweeping and other stuff. Like like these yeah. towns, these towns would ring an interurban railway to uh, for for all it was worth. Right, that's one of the reasons why so many of them went bust. The other reason so many of them went bust is because uh, they were way overbuilt. Um, they built way too mm-hmm. many oh, I, of these things. <laughs> I love that. I, we should spare a moment for airline news. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.I.P. Airline News. I suppose that's kind of like the boring company making their YouTube channel private. Mm. Like, yeah, <laughs> which, let's face it, is going to happen before the end of the decade. Yeah, they, had to, they, had to, they they had to, uh, you know, make this uh, black uh, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went bankrupt in September 1917, and as a result, it was split into its constituent parts. Right, just to make sure that the uh, original stockholders. Only got the crappy portion here, and the newer stockholders got all the good stuff over Anybody here. Anybody who'd held right? onto yeah. that stock for 13 years. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. And as a result, the airline proper from Goodrum Junction to South Laporte was abandoned on November 3rd, 1917, right? So uh. this whole section here, abandoned. But there was a shuttle from Laporte to South Laporte which was considered a public service, and that actually continued going on for one more year. Right! <laughs> for one more year? One more then year. Then what happened? Did, and then, did they protect the, uh, yeah, did they protect the, the right-of-way at all? Like, is there anything, any oh, any use still, made of that? The, oh, the, uh, anything? Oh, the, the right-of-way is... Oh, the, 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 so, yeah, it's section D. Yeah, so, well, the right-of-way is all still there. Um, it's uh, uh, completely abandoned, but you still see some remnants. Um, oh, really? So, this this one line lasted until one year later, oh. when the single employee who ran the line, who was the motorman <laughs> and the conductor and did everything else, uh, got the Spanish flu. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, <laughs> he got killed by nineteen hundreds Rona. He did. Damn it! I don't think he even got. I don't think he even died from it. It's just like, oh, well, so we don't have... Yeah, I don't want to work. Yeah, it's like, we don't Put have someone... Put his two fingers to... together, kiss them, saluted, and walked yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> so long, space cowboy. Yeah, they, <laughs> they didn't have anyone to run the trolley for a couple of weeks, and, you know, the, uh, the, the company just abandoned the line. <laughs> 1917, so what, did everyone start using the bus or something? Like... Yeah, there was another inner urban line. Oh, of course, yeah, totally of course yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems productive. Yeah. Laissez faire, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, 
build so many railroads, you don't know what to do with them all. Uh, so, Coffee Creek had won. The airline was gone. <laughs> um, the Gary and Inner Urban survived, however, as the Gary Street Railway until 1947 when they uh, replaced mm. it all with buses. Mm. Yeah. Bastards. And, um, well, that's what did, what did we learn from from the Chicago New York Electric Airline? Other than gimmicks always work and are cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing. 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 We wasted our time and yours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I think. I think the main the main thing here is uh, if you're gonna build. If you're going to build an inner urban railroad, you should probably do it between places where people lived. Between urbs. Yeah. Between, yeah. Another big issue with uh, this railroad was that um, you didn't have a huge number of points of interchange with other railroads, so you had no freight traffic, right? Mm. Ah. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, generally speaking, if, 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 it, it's a very good system if they had finished it completely to the original specs, but that was not going to happen. Um, you'd have thought. I mean, you'd have thought they'd have used some basic logic. I mean, railroads <laughs> had existed for a sh- bloody long time by this point. You'd have thought they'd have gone, "Ah, oh, where are the major centres of industry here? Let's offer them a sweet deal on you know getting between these two massive centres." Like Chicago is still like the absolute centre of the railroads in the US at the time. Yeah, and New York, like the biggest. Like, what these are two places that are sensible to connect with a quick freight line. Clearly, they did not. Um, Realize this, mm. yeah. But he also yeah, overall, like uh, the the amount of main lines between Chicago and New York City was already overbuilt. You know, this one, the only way they could survive is if they somehow came up with the most direct route out of thin air, and that was obviously not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was called the airline, Roz. They sure did try, <laughs> but for Coffee Creek, this would have worked oh, perfectly. That, that treacherous yeah. bastard, that goddamn creek. Well, First wonder- it took that guy's coffee and then it destroyed the fucking railroad. I'm putting Coffee Creek on my list of places I'm gonna visit when I come to the US eventually. <laughs> I'm I- going there. Just hop I- over <laughs> Coffee Creek and do what the, <laughs> yeah, the airline like, couldn't. Gently, just gently, <laughs> a, a slightly elongated step to cross it. Well, unfortunately the giant Coffee Creek fill is gone because Interstate 80 is there now. Oh, um, <laughs> shitters! What? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Tell me the creek isn't hidden under a culvert or some shit. Oh, it's, it's hidden, under, be a hidden under a culvert. Oh, yeah. damn it. <laughs> I'm going in that culvert. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Bring a flashlight, Gareth. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I always wondered what would happen if they had managed to... If they had managed to hold out a couple more years, and uh, maybe if they had gotten this thing as far as Cleveland, how it would have worked out then... Because mm. Cleveland was at least fairly close to the airline, but why? Mm. You know what this is. This is a failure of conceptualization. It's a failure to understand something that Gareth said in the very first slides: that a railroad, a permanent way, is a collection of straight lines joined together by curves. Yes, <laughs> they didn't think about it in that way, and instead they thought, "Oh, what if only straight line?" Yes, should have been happy with the straight lines that they would have had. They could have, like, they could have. This could have gone differently had they started it in a major center, like Cleveland is a great example. Yeah. Start in Cleveland. Start clearly. The interurban model was was a good one to start with making cash. 
build it outwards as an interurban, and then once it started reaching larger places, then you start running regional services on it. Like, why Why didn't they start in Cleveland? Honestly, not even Cleveland. You could have started in South Bend or Toledo and done a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Like, I don't know anything about U.S. geography, and like immediately to me seeing this, I'm thinking, why did why didn't they just go to some of the big places? They could have done that, and it would have still been basically a straight line. I am irritated. <laughs> <laughs> well, have and it. I've run out of whiskey, so I'm double irritated. Damn it! I'm about to run out of beer, so maybe we should uh, having having enraged everyone. Mm. Maybe we should right move about on had to diarrhea a, this whole episode. A segment on this podcast called Safety Third. Shake hands with danger. Oh, I like where this is going I'm, already. I'm more terrified of this than I have been of a lot of images yeah. that we've had from <laughs> Safety Thirds. <laughs> there are two different reactions, listeners. <laughs> Dear parasocial acquaintances. Fuck off. <laughs> I come to you with a tale from the wonderful world of American regional theater. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no the thing again. Someone's gonna <laughs> die. He's <laughs> gonna murder people. I'm, I'm in. Nonprofit arts organizations in America's mid-sized cities are often quite strange. Not that this is unique to the arts or determined by the size of the city, but let's just say that the financial incentives upon which they operate tend toward the perverse, if not the entirely predictable. The budget for a poetry. given show is typically split into two buckets. There is the artistic side and mm -hmm. the production side. The general feeling is the audience and donors only really care about the artistic side. The beautiful and the talented. Actors, directors, designers. Anyone else who might be designated as an artist rather than a craftsperson. These yeah, no, nobody nobody puts their name on like a, a concert hall because of the lighting, even though they should. Right. These are the people that these institutions feel are most worthy of their limited resources. Yeah, see, Hollywood takes a different approach, or at least it did in the mid middle of the last century, where they gave all the money to Ken Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Over on the production side, where folks just staple boards together and hang lights in the air, it becomes imperative that you spend as little money as possible. Any schmuck off the street can work a sea wrench or a nail gun, and the expectation is that they will jump at the chance to work for peanuts on someone else's art project. <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting echoes. When was that? When what was there was an art installation uh, safety third, and I'm already getting horrifying flashbacks to that one. Good God, we had a okay. lot of safety thirds from like theater people. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> them, them in like uh, chemical lab techs, uh, you know that those are like apparently very dangerous places. <laughs> those are the two most dangerous. <laughs> Places to work. Yeah. It is also key that the boards being stapled together are of the inexpensive variety. This helps keep the budget down, and if it doesn't look great, a scenic painter can be relied on to make it pretty. They don't even have to do that good of a job with the painting, seeing as how we're operating under the 30 foot rule. The audience is never close enough to notice. <laughs> <laughs> so. And that works for track, too, to be fair. That works for P Way to Bearing all the. Actually. One thing I saw, um, this is actually going back to the Chicago, New York Electric Airline, but I think Gareth will like this one. One thing oh, I yes, saw please. on the uh, in the book I bought for this, the uh, the book's called Faster Than the Limiteds, 
the story of the Chicago, New York electric airline railroad and its transformation to Gary Railways. Um, so um, one of the things well, I saw in the, the book, yeah. So mm-hmm. there was a crossing of one of the later iterations of the railroad, a grade like a a, a diamond crossing between the inner urban line and I think a, a, a faster railroad. I forget which one. It was on a curve. The curve was super elevated. There were two tracks, right? But it was a super Ooh. elevated curve, and it was a diamond, which meant that, Ugh. you know, the, the, the trolley would ride up and then down and then back up and then back down. It was the jankiest track work I've seen in my uh, life. We call it two leveling. We do that sometimes <laughs> still. Oh, it's horrifying. <laughs> like you, you have to wear a special hat to do that sort of design. It's oh, amazing. <laughs> I love that. So it was, it, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find a picture. I'll send it to you after this. Um, oh, yes, please. Anyway. So where was I? Bearing all this in mind, <laughs> I am thinking of a particular incident from a particular scene shop of a particular theater company that, as we might have said at the time, qualifies for safety 12th. Particularly. Yeah, particularly. Mm. The scenic designer for the show in question had specified a grooved decking material. Thin curves cut parallel into the 4x8 sheets every 6 inches or so to mimic someone's idea of a deck in the cheesiest way possible. Of course, there was not enough right. money in the budget for the specified material, and there was not enough money in the budget to uh, rip strips of a quarter-inch material in an attempt to achieve the look. So without talking to the designer, without trying to negotiate some sort of solution, the guys looked at a large pile of three-quarter-inch CDX plywood they had already purchased and decided that they could make it work. <laughs> oh, no. Now, the thinking was that all you needed to do was run a circular saw across the plywood seven times or run the plywood through the table saw seven times to have all the necessary curves cut into your sheet uh, to match the specified material. But yeah, this makes perfect to- sense. But no. what's, I, I, I'm an engineer, not a, not a joiner. What's a curve? I'm thinking in this case, it's just like some kind of groove in the wood, right? I think that is ah, exactly okay. what Just to kind of give is. it a finish. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay, okay. I, I am also not a joiner. Um, <laughs> the, the the width of material removed by a cutting process. So yeah, the a groove. Okay. Yeah, I'll do it. But anyway, this, this seemed way too inefficient. So a couple of guys got to work building a table saw. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, platforming was wrangled, <laughs> bolted together in the appropriate size, and legged up at the appropriate height. A fence was installed, and then seven circular saws. <laughs> <laughs> We're mounted upside down at the appropriate interval. Witness oh me. <laughs> how do you run, how do you get them all going? Is someone just running along the table, just starting them all up? I, I love this. I guess seven circular saws. Seven circular saws. We're mounted upside down at appropriate intervals <laughs> to the underside of the platforming, with the blade depth set to the. Uh, Platform surface by the requisite three-eighths of an inch, right? And after the first pass, it became apparent that the CDX was nowhere near flat enough for the contraption to work as intended. Cheap plywood does tend to resemble the potato chip a lot more than what the platonic ideal of flatness these folks had in their heads. (laughs) But the solution was obvious. 
weight. Flatness could be achieved with sufficient oh sandbags and stage weights. Oh no. The problem, the problem was this was way too heavy to be workable, and the weight would move with the board, causing the kerf cut to be uneven. What was needed was consistent pressure concentrated at the point of contact with the seven circular saw blades. Enter from stage right, a new sinister baddie, <laughs> gravity. Yes. <laughs> at this point, someone ran to the office and promptly returned with a rolling desk chair. Wait, what? Uh, in, sh- uh, in short order. I, th- I mean, it's better than my, my first right. thought, which is <laughs> uh, some genius has the idea, why don't you just hold that down? <laughs> I, was, I was kind of visualizing like bags of sugar getting yeeted at people, but, um, you know, okay. In short order, the unpaid intern was installed in the desk chair. No, on oh, top fuck, of- <laughs> I was right! Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> I did not see that coming. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> on, on top of the sheet of potato chip CDX plywood, uh, on top of the ad hoc table saw with its seven upside down circular saws. This is like a horror film! <laughs> Just these circular saws approaching the intern on their little on their little IKEA desk chair. <laughs> Fortunately for everyone involved, an individual had been deep in the welding project all morning. In a separate part of the shop, became aware of the scope of what was going on and successfully prevented oh. our heroes from completing their quest. Ooh, I was hoping for flame and explosions. <laughs> I'm just visualizing the chair getting shorter with each pass. Like, zoop, zoop, zoop. I, I mean, so they were smart enough to realize, okay, don't like hold it down with your arms. But what you should mm-hmm. do instead, hold it down with your, your ass. Hold it down. Yeah, well, he's on a rolling chair, though. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The well. rolling chair makes it safe, Scared Alice. Money don't make money, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't have that, like, Sigma grind set. Absolutely. <laughs> Scared money don't make money, the motto of the Chicago to New York electric (laughs) airline. (laughs) (laughs) This tale has has now been passed down for many generations, with generations at an institution like this lasting about three years. (laughs) It's always been a crowd pleaser. I hope you enjoyed. Yes. Congratulations on your survival. Enjoyed. Yes. Jesus. There's a t-shirt in this. Seven circular saws with someone sat looking nervously at them on top of a rolling desk chair. There is definitely a t-shirt. Yeah, with the, with the very planks, scared money don't make money. I want to know, like, how, how many of these planks were the, did they have to make that it was a good idea? They felt it was oh a good God, idea to rig up dudes. this janky device. I'm seven... <laughs> Circular mm-hmm. saws. Every time you say it, it just get, it just gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, where did they get? I thought they were just talking about having no budget. Where did they get these seven saws from? Harbor They're Freight. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they only need to work once. <laughs> Definitely, like, yes. Yeah. So, uh, with seven circular saws from Harbor Freight, that probably costs uh, seven dollars. <laughs> 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 Uh, well, for uh, for UK listeners, that's the equivalent of the uh, the the middle aisle in a little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a segment on this podcast that we like to call Safety Third.
Our, our next episode, as always, is on the Boston molasses disaster. As it's always been. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. And Gareth, looking forward people, to this one. If the people want more Gareth, where can they find more Gareth? Oh, God. Uh, I do a podcast on Wednesday evenings called Rail Natter. It's live. You can ask me questions. It's a strange format. It does not hold up well, but it's still going on <laughs> 90 plus episodes later. Hell yes. Yes. Uh, if, if you want more of us, we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. We get bonus episodes. Next yes. one's probably going to be with Victoria Scott. Again, back-to-back Victoria Scott bonus episodes about NASCAR. 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 The last one was very good. Strong recommend to do that. Absolutely. They're good bonus episodes, folks. Absolutely. Do that. Well, I'm wrapping it up because I feel like shit and I need to lie down. I've yeah. got to poop my pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> this uh huh. This is this is ten thousand losses. The, the, the podcast with diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, have a good night, everybody. All right. Yes. Bye. The, bye. Bye. The podcast bye. where we talk about pooping in a straight line.